Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Aftson, and it is a privilege and an honor to be here with you on this Tuesday. Live, it is the 23rd of Shvat, the 14th of February, and hoping that this week finds you well in the good space, in the good zone. <sighs> it's amazing how how being in a good zone and being a good, in a good space is such a challenge and yet one of the most rewarding things we could do is just be in a space of faith and trust and optimism and hope. Just recently in Shul we started learning the Shara B'tachon, the Gate of Trust. It's one of the great uh, Jewish classics. It's part of the book Chovah Talavavah, Duties of the Heart, and the fourth section is the Gate on Trust. And as believers, that nothing in this world is coincidental and that there, there is a designer, not only a designer of the world, the way the world was created all the way back then, but the way the world runs today. That yesh balabayis labirazu, there's a, there's somebody in control of this place. It's not a jungle. The world is not a jungle. The jungle seems to be haphazard. The truth is the jungle is also God's hand. But the jungle seems to symbolize just beast eat beast um, chaos. Something beautiful about it as well, but it's chaos. But the world is not a jungle. The, the world is coordinated. There's a boss, somebody who knows what they're doing. And to live with that confidence is one of the greatest um, challenges living in this world, right? It's so easy to become cynical. It's so easy to become negative. It's so easy to paint reality in star colors. And yet the challenge for each and every one of us is to to keep on believing and and to have a strong core, a deep knowledge, knowing that nothing's random in this world. Because one of the great gifts of believing is knowing that it's not random, right? What's the fundamental, there's many differences, but the fundamental difference between choosing to believe that there's a creator or choosing to believe not, and let's be honest, both of them are belief. Um, I, I find it patronizing when people say, oh, Rabbi, I'm scientific, so I follow the evidence, so I don't believe in God, as if people who believe in God... Don't follow any evidence. No. There's evidence. Strong evidence is not absolute proof until somebody sees God. It's, it's, you can't necessarily scientifically prove it, but there's strong evidence to believe that this world was created by a creator. But that's a separate point. So when you choose to believe in a creator, what you're acknowledging is life isn't random. Because if there's no creator, then the world is a jungle, right? You could sit there driving through um, the Kruger and feeling sorry for the 
buck that's being eaten by a leopard, but ultimately, you just know that that's just the way it is, right? That's that the leopard has to stay alive, and the lion has to stay alive, and the cheetah has to stay alive, etc. And that's just the way it works. I'll be honest, I still haven't gotten used to watching a kill. I know, like, many people, oh, Rabbi, you went to the Kruger, did you see a kill? As if, like, yay, what a delight. I don't see any delight in seeing an animal being murdered, but okay. Let's, for argument's sake, say there is some uh, thrill to it. I think it's horrible, but it's nature. And nobody sits there saying, what an unethical lion, or what an unethical um, wild dog, which, you know, they're really... Uh, Gross the way they do it. Nobody says, "Oh shame, what a what a miserable dog." No, that's just the way they do it, right? That's the way the wild dogs eat. That's the way the the, the lion eats. And kahaza, just the way it is, because that's the way the jungle is. The jungle just has the rules of the jungle, and that's life. Nobody feels sorry for them. Really sorry for the animals there. On the contrary, we say, "Just leave it. Let let nature do its course." Right? The big fish swallows the small fish. Just the way it is. So if you don't believe in God, and you don't believe that the world was created by a designer, and the world is being managed by this designer, by this creator God, then asking why bad things happen, why there's earthquakes, and why there's terror attacks, and why there's, you know, evil in this world, is like asking why the lion's eating the, the other animal. What kind of question is that? The, the lion's hungry, the buffalo's hungry, the buck is good food, etc. Everyone's going and grabbing whatever food's possible, right? You're not going to sit there saying, shame, the poor salmon that's being eaten by the bigger fish. Just the way it is. The mere fact that we believe that the world is supposed to run a certain way and that and that pain and suffering is is something that we struggle to make peace with is only because deep down intuitively we believe that the world is supposed to be managed better that things are supposed to work but that assumption means that the world is not a jungle because again if you believe the world was a jungle then you wouldn't be surprised that there's earthquakes that's what happens right it's the floods there's earthquakes that's life but because we believe in a creator, so then we're challenged with the question that sits there saying, how can there be an earthquake? And how can there be terrorism? And how can there be um, whatever struggles people are going through? So it's funny, because often people will say that, you know, as someone told me, Rabbi, if there's a good God, then how could there be an earthquake? So what's your assumption? Let's put, the lead thing is that there is no God. Okay, so now what? Does that make anything more understandable? Is it easier to accept? Um, are you really buying it? That's totally random? And that, that, that we're not supposed to challenge fate? Are we supposed to just become apathetic to other people suffering? As if there's some animal in the wild? No. No. Why? Because deep down intuitively we know that... Their, the world is not mad, and this place is not a jungle, and that God created this world and keeps on managing it. This is 101.9 High FM, and to really set the tone for the rest of the show, 
Um, here's a song we've played before, but a fantastic song. It's called Nothing in Your Life by Mordechai Shapiro from the recent Journeys album. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson of Linksfield Show, and here we are. We're talking on this Tuesday. And we started the show by talking about how believing in Hashem, believing in a creator, offers a sense of grounding in this world. A person knows that the world is not a jungle and that there's a, there's a plan. Even if I don't know the plan, it's like a child who goes to cert, who goes to get an injection by the doctor and it's sore and the child will even cry, but the child instinctively runs to the parent even though the parent is the one who brought the child to the doctor, because instinctively the child knows that my parent loves me, even though what seems to be happening is not an act of love, right? They're getting, they're getting hurt by the injection, but at the same time there's this deep knowledge that my mom, my dad know what they're doing, and they're doing it for my good. And that's the way a person who truly believes engages with God, because ultimately what we know is that nothing is random, that everything is by design. And just knowing that there's a purpose and meaning to it is life-changing. I remember hearing the analogy, I think it was from Rabbi Manas Greenman years ago. He says, imagine you're walking down the street and somebody punches your tooth out. You're, you're going to get very angry. You're going to maybe even take them to the police, sue them, etc., and yet, the same individual, if their tooth is sore and they go to the dentist, and the dentist says, we have to remove your tooth, they'll keep their mouth open like a nice little, you know, nice boy, nice girl, let the tooth go out, and be tortured for an hour, <laughs> and then after that, they'll swipe their credit card and shake the doctor's hand and say, thank you. And you're like, what's the difference? Both people knocked out a tooth, Right? The dentist took an hour, the other person took five seconds, one second, and yet the first person were trying to get arrested and the other person were saying thank you. And the fundamental difference is one feels meaningless and one feels meaningful. That's the difference, right? That walking down the street and someone punching your tooth out feels totally meaningless. And therefore the pain is much worse because it was just pointless. I could have had a tooth, and now I don't. But the, the dentist, it's meaningful pain. You know that's for your good. And therefore, not only can you tolerate the pain, you even pay for it and say thank you because you realize it's a favor. That's really the difference if somebody believes as a creator or not. Do I feel that pain is meaningless? But if life's a jungle, if life is no creator and everything is just haphazard, then my pain is meaningless. The pain that the animal is going through while they're being eaten up by another animal is meaningless pain. I guess the only meaning is that, you know, you could tell the, the buck, but that, that you're really feeding the lion, so you are serving a purpose. But ultimately, it's just torture for that animal. It's meaningless. And if we live in this world and we don't think there's a, there's a creator, then everything's meaningless. 
Every time we go through a bump in life, it feels like someone's knocking our tooth out as we're walking down the street. It's just pointless. But the moment you realize there's a surgeon, the moment you realize that there's a creator, the moment you realize that nothing is haphazard, nothing's without a plan, everything is part of a design, even though the pain is still painful and the, the tears can still run down the cheeks, there's this deep knowledge and even peace that says, okay, it's sore, it hurts, right? A person could go into surgery and still cry out of fear, but ultimately, deep down, they know that they're being done a favor. When somebody is able to truly believe in God, then they're able to be at peace knowing that it's meaningful. There's a purpose to all this. It's not meaningless pain. I don't know what the meaning is. Right? I don't know the meaning of my own pain. I definitely don't know the meaning of other people's pain. I find that, you know, when people start explaining God and saying the, the, the earthquake happened because of this and this, it's like, okay, that's, that's a bit uh, big of you to start deciding why God does things. Unless he spoke to you last night and told you, uh, your, your guess is as good as mine. And also seek, seeking the meaning of other people's pain, I think is a bit uh, problematic. It's not for us. It's not for me to tell you why you, you're going through your pain. The most I could do is try to find meaning in my own pain. And maybe try to help you find your meaning in there, but not definitely not tell you what your meaning is. Oh, you know the reason why you're going through this terrible tragedy? Here's the reason. Ah, wow. As I said, unless God's talking to you and you really have that relationship with God, uh, I would stay away from that. Start to stay, stay away from being God's defense attorney and God's uh, explainer in chief, right? Some of us feel like we're the speaker of the house there to defend God and explain God. It's not for us, but for our own lives to, to look for meaning, to look for purpose. And often the meaning that we find in our own pain is to be able to help others. That's why we played that song. Nothing in your life will ever be as meaningful as when you help others. And that takes, how do I put this? Our, our pain and our grief and our, whatever we've been through in this world, whatever pain we've been through, only becomes truly meaningful when I'm able to channel it to help others. Like they call it the sixth stage of grief, which is meaning. And the meaning often is to be there for others. And you know that you've turned the corner in your own sorrows and your own issues if it it's now motivating you to make the world a better place. That whatever you've been through is not making you feel sorry for yourself anymore, but it's actually encouraging you to help others. That's a huge turning point, right? Many people, not everyone, but many, go through a stage of self-pity. I, I like to joke that self-pity is one of the greatest pleasures in the world. That's why some of us seem absolutely addicted to it. There's something deeply um, pleasurable in sitting in your bed, justifying why you're eating the 18th brownie in the last hour and the 14th bowl of ice cream that week. 
and just because you know life is so terrible and it's everything's miserable and yes and if you had a life like me you would also oh, not come out of bed and etc etc as terrible as it is there's something deeply uh pleasurable where you throw away all responsibility for your life because you're absolutely overwhelmed with self-pity no you might not identify with what i'm saying but if you've ever tasted self-pity and definitely if you're an addict to self-pity you'll uh, you'll hopefully resonate <laughs> and uh, it will strike a chord because there's something very compelling something very uh, seductive about feeling sorry for yourself and some people seem to have literally mastered it and developed it into an art form self-pity as an art form and you might be that person or you, uh, chances are you know somebody who's that person and to then move on from that and say, you know what, I'm sick and tired of feeling, so, of, of feeling sick and tired. And I want to take my pain and channel it for others. That's a huge leap. It's a huge leap. It's, uh, it's transformative. And you see it. You see it in people who've been through unspeakable tragedy. And then one day, Sometimes right after the tragedy and sometimes months or years later, they wake up and they realize, I can't have the world stay the same after what I went through. This tragedy, this pain has to be channeled. I have to do something with it. The world has to become a better place after what I went through. That's why so many people will dedicate things to their lost loved ones, will dedicate uh, projects and do acts of kindness in the memory because somehow doing something with that pain is one of the greatest acts of healing we could do for ourselves. That the loss we felt will cause gain. And not everyone's ready to hear at the moment they go through a tragedy, right? Some people, you know, they'll walk into a shiver house and have some mourning and they'll right away start giving ideas what to do. And sometimes it's premature person's not ready to hear it right now they want they're, they're feeling the pain they might also go through a stage some stage of self-pity and it's understandable they'll go through the stages of grief and anger and hopefully at some stage they'll realize i have to channel this pain doesn't go away but i have to do something with it i have to channel it that frustration that lack to do something i don't have to you know, drink it into oblivion or sleep it into oblivion or eat it into oblivion. I have to do something with it. And the moment a person changes that narrative from woe is me to I don't believe this world is random and I, I have to do something. God's sending me a message and I have to pick up the, the pieces and heal this broken world just a bit. It's at that moment that we we transform ourselves. We start the healing. We start finding peace. And I would tell anybody who's searching for themselves, who's trying to find themselves, who's trying to find comfort, trying to find peace, you'll only find yourself in the other. The most basic level, you only start finding yourself in marriage or in a deep relationship. You only find yourself with a child, with a strong friendship. You don't find yourself when you're alone with yourself. 
you find yourself when you go outside yourself. That's one of the great ironies of life. You could stand in front of the mirror and stare at your nose for months at a time and you won't know yourself the way you'll, you'll know yourself if you put yourself out there for others. Become aware of who you are and suddenly you discover parts of yourself that you would never have known. Right? I would never have known compassion and love if I never had a child. I would know other love, but I would never know that inside of me. Um, and many other areas. I would never know so much of my personality if I didn't go into the rabbinet, if I didn't um, work with people every day. You learn yourself when you go outside yourself. So what I would tell to, to people, you know, many people living in a self-absorbed world, um, I'm trying to find myself. That's why they're spending endless hours on Instagram and TikTok trying to find themselves. I would say, no, leave the phone. Leave your, leave your room. Leave your self-absorption. Even leave your personality type books and I'm not saying stop therapy but don't rely only on that go outside yourself go do chesed go share love go challenge yourself with people outside yourself besides the fact that the world will become a better place you'll actually get to know yourself this is 101.9 Chai FM this is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM Find yourself by finding others. Grow yourself by getting outside yourself and being there for others. Learn to love yourself by learning to love others. It's one of the great ironies of life that the more selfish you are and the more you're about yourself, the more miserable you are. Right? Narcissists are not happy people. Um, Someone told me yesterday that narcissism is one of the hardest or most impossible personality types to heal from um, because they're never open to hear that they're the problem. I don't know if that's scientifically true. could be, but it definitely resonates. It definitely it feels true, or at least, you know, it, there must be some truth to it. Why? Because somebody who's selfish, somebody who's self-absorbed and locked in their own head and the world surrounds them, there is, uh, there's no happiness in that life because happiness is only in relationships. You know, I remember one time hearing somebody back to the beginning of our talk, we were talking about God and believing in God, that believing in God simply means it's not about me, right? If there's no creator, then who's the center of the universe? Me. I mean, there's no other center of the universe. Me. It's all about me. But if I am, if I believe that there's a creator, then the center of the universe is not me. It's kind of weird when you meet somebody who claims to believe in God, and yet they're a narcissist, because that doesn't really work. By definition, narcissism means it's all about you. If you believe in God, it's definitely not all about you. So 
the more we chase ourselves and the more we chase our own happiness, the more miserable we, we end, right? If you focus on yourself, you can never develop a, a close, deep, romantic relationship and you cannot de- develop a close relationship with your children and you cannot develop a close relationship with your siblings and friends and co-workers. Why? Because they'll see right through you and they see it's all about you. You're in it for yourself. And nobody wants to be in a relationship with with a person who's all about themselves. There's nothing there's nothing pulling about. There's nothing compelling. There's nothing attractive. Oh wow! Tell me about yourself. Of course, I'll tell you about myself because that's all I'll do for the next sixty years together. I'll only tell you about myself, and I'll never tell. I'll let you talk to me about you. There's nothing compelling about it. Nobody's like, oh wow, that's so attractive. Wow. Um, it's only when we go outside ourselves, and Yet it's ironic because the way many of us are raising our kids, it's almost like we're pushing them towards narcissism. We're telling them it's all about you and it's all about your dreams. Um, it, it doesn't matter. To, it, I don't care, you know, what you do as long as you're happy. Really? Is that the be-all and end-all of morality as long as your kid's happy? You know, sorry for giving an extreme example. What if your kid's a cannibal and loves eating people? Oh, but they're hurting people. Well, what if the person agrees to be eaten? As long as my kid's happy. As long as my kid's happy. Today it's like the mantra of parenting. And it's like, what does that even mean? As long as my kid is good. As long as my kid is moral. As long as my kid is ethical. If they're happy, mazel tov. If they're not happy, whatever. So be it. But as long as my kid's happy, is that the, is that morality? Happiness? Or as long as they're not hurting anybody, that's the be-all and end-all of morality? How does that even make any sense? But that's how you raise a narcissist, when you tell your kid, all I want for you is to be happy. No! I want you to be good. I want you to be a good person. I want you to better this world. I want you to better the people around you. I want you to treat people with kindness. I want you to be a good and kind, gentle, good human being. What is I want you to be happy. If you'll be kind and you'll be gentle and you'll be good, there's a big chance you'll be happy as well. Some of the time or most of the time. But that's it. I want you to be happy. So if it takes an intoxicating drink, fine, drink. Takes a drug, take a drug. If it takes immoral behavior, whatever, as long as you're happy. Really? And when I hear parents say it, and they say it well-intentioned, how does that make sense to you? Your, our job as parents is not to raise happy kids. Our job is to raise good kids, good people, who hopefully are happy. But the, I can't make my kids happy, but I could hopefully instill as much as I can. Obviously, they have their free choice. I could instill within them good values by role modeling good values, and hopefully they'll find those values, and one of those values that they'll instill is a positive attitude, an attitude of gratitude, which will lead to happiness. But my goal is not to raise happy kids. My goal is to raise good kids. And back to where we start with the narcissism, it's like, if if I tell my child, it's all about your happiness, that's all I'm here for. I live for your happiness. You're telling a child that the whole universe surrounds them and their feelings and their satisfaction. When you tell a child it's all about your goodness, you're saying it's not about you. It's how you treat others. I'd rather you be good than happy. And if you ever have a choice between goodness and happiness, 
right? If, if the thing that will make you happy will not be good, then I want you to choose good. Even if it makes you miserable. Because I'm not here to worship your happiness. I'm here to raise you to be a good person. And I just wish we could we could have an open conversation about this as parents, as educators. Stop this obsession with raising happy kids. Because here's the irony of the irony. You're going to raise them selfish. There's no chance they'll be happy. Because there's no way to be happy without relationships. So you're telling your child it's all about your happiness. So you're raising them to be a narcissist. There's no chance a narcissist can ever develop a close, meaningful relationship with anybody. And then they're no, they're not happy and they're not good. Mazel tov. Double whammy. But if my goal is to raise goodness, then yes, hopefully goodness will lead to happiness. A person who lives a meaningful life will have happiness at least a part of the time. Let's watch out what messages we're giving our children. Are they messages that are making them better versions of themselves? Or are they messages that are making them more selfish? Because the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So we could have very good intentions craving for our kids to be happy. Is it good? That's the question. Is it good? This is 101.9, Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avton on 101.9, Chai FM. 101.9, Chai FM. It's time again to wrap up the show. Hope you found any something in this uh, Fabringen that was compelling. 34519 if you want to contact the station. And I want to wish us all that um, we should all be happy. That's a great thing. But more importantly, that we should all we should all do good. And that each day we ask ourselves before we go to sleep, did I make any person's day better today? Is not is not as the world better because of me today? That's a big world. That's a big word. What does that even mean? Eight billion people are they better for me? Yeah, better life, like etc. But I think that's just a confusing question. Is one person's life better? Because of you today is a good day. A day that nobody's life was enriched because of us is, let's be honest, a waste of a day. And every day we have to look and say, whose life did I enrich? Maybe it only was a person I greeted with a big smile. But if we go home tonight and we can't think of one person whose life was enriched because of us today, well, Take out our phone and send a message to somebody that you know will enrich them. Because we can't, we can't live a day without enriching somebody else's life. A day without goodness, a day without kindness is not a day. A shodavatok, a waste of a day. But a day that we've enriched somebody's life and hopefully more than one person, that's a great day. Because despite anything that happened, any mistakes we made, any bumps in the road we've had, any tragedies we've been through throughout the day. I enriched somebody's life. It was a good day. I want to finish off with this beautiful song. Um, it's composed by the, one of the great Rosh Yeshivas in Israel. I think his name is Rabbi Dan Segal. And uh, it's called Tatalek Kum Shenahem, a father referring to God, please come home. It's time to come home, time to bring a better time, the coming of Mashiach. May we see it soon in our day. 
My name is Robert Levy, Austin of Linksfield Shoal, and this is Tatala. Have a great day.